why we um, are starting a new series, because we can see how quickly our values can get thrown off, and once our values get, get thrown off, then our lives just start heading down a wrong way, and it's because of what we look at, how we look at the world, what kind of a worldview do we have. And so you have your outline before you, we're going to refer to that often, uh, hopefully you have your Bibles there because we'll be going through God's scripture as well as we talk about our worldviews. Uh, it was interesting, I heard about a, a survey that Cosmo did uh, a number of months ago, and um, it basically, and, and this is probably Cosmo in a nutshell, right? It, it was saying, um, how do you know he's into you? That, that was the survey. How do you know he's into you? And the answers to that were this. It said, um, if when he's talking to you, he raises his eyebrows, that means he's into you. But it wasn't only that. It said, if he raises his eyebrows and licks his lips. He's into you. And then it went on to say, if he raises his eyebrows, licks his lips, and puts his hands on his waist, he's into you. And then it added, he raises his eyebrows, licks his lips, puts his hands on his waist, and rubs his neck. He's into you. And that sells millions, doesn't it? Do you know how God is into you? Jesus, boom, drop the mic, done. <laughs> Jesus, that's it. That's the answer. That's how you know God is into you. In fact, look at the verse that's at the top of your outline, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. It says, if anyone is in, new Christ, is in Christ, he is a new, what's the word there? Creation. The old is past. And behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ, if you have Christ in your life, your worldview should change. It should be completely different. The way you live your life, the things that you look at, the thoughts that you have, the actions that you do should change. In fact, I was at a, a wedding a number of months ago. And I was with a friend who lives out of town, and we were waiting for the dinner. And so, you know, you're kind of sitting there waiting for the couples to finish the pictures and all that kind of fun stuff. And we, we just started talking together, and I could tell he, he wanted to get a little serious in the conversation. And he said, um, Pastor Brad, uh, you know that I really haven't been going to church a lot. You know that really I, I don't really have much of a faith, or I haven't had much of a faith. But I wanted to share with you that um, in this past month, I really made a commitment to follow Christ fully and all that that means. And, and so I said, yeah, way to go. We slapped five, like, good job. Keep that up. And, and, he, and he said, no, th this is not just something I'm adding on to my life. This is something that is going to change everything I do. And he began to tell me about how he and his wife started attending church very regularly, how um, they started taking responsibility. He started taking responsibility for himself of growing in his faith, of how his finances and even how he spent his finances were going to change as well. And how he started giving more to his church and blessing others in that way. And, and how he was starting now to share his faith with places at his work uh, and with his family. And he said, 
because I am following Christ, I know there's a lot of my things in my life that I'm going to start to do differently. And I heard that and I thought, yes, he nailed it. That's it. If, if you are a Christ follower, you should do things differently. If you are following God's word, you should be different than how the world follows the teachings of Cosmo. It should change everything about what you do. But does it? On your outline, there are seven popular worldviews. Worldview, as I defined it there, is a belief that I build my life upon. And these seven worldviews are worldviews that are in our American culture. And um, I, I'll say American culture because they're probably different in other parts of the world. But these predominantly in, in, have invaded our American culture, and we are constantly, constantly bombarded with these worldviews through the media, through uh, classrooms and what uh, is taught, through popular music, through popular uh, um, uh, other forms of, of art and communication through people in our lives and if you do not know and learn how to spot these then you're going to fall prey to their teachings and be just like the world teaches and so let me go over them and uh this me first message a little bit more academic in explaining these but i think this is so important for us to build a foundation for where this message series is going so the first worldview that i wrote down there was the worldview and the thought anything goes that we could call is postmodernism. Postmodernism. It's the reality, and we live in it today. In fact, if you don't recognize it, it's probably because you live in it and you don't know anything different than that. But it's the reality today that most people operate without a set of absolute values. Whatever works for you, you get to do it. Modernism says knowledge is certain and objective and good and obtainable. Postmodernism has come in now and said truth is not rational. Truth is not objective. In fact, you can find truth by what you feel. Recognize these statements. Maybe you've said them yourself. Maybe you've heard people say them to you. Feelings can show you truth. Or if it feels right, it must be right. Or if you have, you have your truth, but I have my truth. And they may be totally different, but we can both still live following our truths. Or that one phrase that says, whatever works for you, do it. Whatever works for you. The problem with that is that sometimes what works for you is evil. And somebody has to call it for what it is. This thought that, well, I can do whatever I want to do, my problems get solved that way, is just absurd. Um, I, I mean, let's just act like I had a problem with, with Pastor Mark up here, sharing announcements like this. And so I just decided to come up and just pop him one, just be, okay, done with it. Sure felt good to me, right? My problem got solved. And, and yet that's wrong. It's not the way we operate. And yet this postmodern view of the world is, hey, we can all do whatever we want. And we see that in the news all the time. We see the shootings and the killings and people just taking truth into their own hands and saying, I need to get revenge and I'll do what I need to do. People go through life creating their own solutions and nobody steps up and says, hey, that's not right. 
it's whatever works. There's no right, there's no wrong. Whatever works for you is okay with you. You have your own standards of truth, and that's okay. You know what the Bible says about that? It says in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to what? To death. To, to death. In fact, let me explain it this way. I, I call it seventh floor mentality. And let me define what I mean by seventh floor mentality. Let's say you go down uh, downtown to the courthouse. That's a large building that's being built in downtown Stockton, which, by the way, if you're on El Dorado Street and you come up over the bridge, you see two of the highest points in the city of Stockton. You see our cross and our steeple, and from the vantage point right there on that bridge, it looks even higher than the courthouse. That's because the courthouse is farther away. Do that sometime. Be praying for our cross, but be praying for our civic leaders as well downtown. If you decide, though, to go downtown, to go up into, uh, I don't know how many floors it is, let's call it 15th floor, and you decide to go up on top of that building and say, you know what, I have my own thoughts on gravity. Uh, I think I'll put those into practice. Let me just demonstrate that. And you walk off the 15th floor. You may think around the 7th floor, so far so good, right? Right? Because it hasn't come to an end yet. You haven't died. You haven't crashed on the, on the ground. Gravity hasn't totally affected you yet. Seventh floor mentality. But it's just because you haven't come to the end yet. I mean, maybe you're here today and you began to drink more than you know you should. Or you began to get involved in recreational drugs or, or a marijuana or a pothead and you're kind of hanging out with some of those friends. Hey, everything's okay right now. No harm done. It's because you're on seventh floor mentality. You haven't hit bottom yet. <clears throat> Maybe you began cheating on your spouse. Maybe you've been in a relationship with someone else, but nobody knows yet. Seventh floor mentality. You haven't hit bottom yet. The consequences haven't taken over. Maybe you've been overworking or not spending enough time with your family, and you're thinking, ah, so far so good. That's just seventh floor mentality. It's deciding, no, my truth is the right way, and <clears throat> whatever works for me, works for me. If you have other ways of living, you live other ways, but I'll live my way. God's word says, it'll come out, and it'll lead to death. That's what postmodernism tells us. Whatever goes, it's all right. You operate by your truth. And if, again, if you're not living, if you don't recognize that, your kids, your grandkids, they are living in that as they're growing up today. But it, it, it has invaded every part of our culture, and we live in this postmodern world. Let me give you a second one. I'll go a little quicker through these other ones here. The one with the most toys wins. That would be a worldview of materialism. Materialism says the only thing that matters in life is the acquisition of things. Life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. Right? That's what materialism says. You, you know what God's word says? Luke 12, 15. Take care, be on your guard against all covetedness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Better phone, better cars, better homes, better clothes. We can get wrapped up in that, and for some, that is their reality. That is their world give you another one. It's the me first mentality, the me first worldview. You see this all the time uh, in the advertising world. 
commercials. You know, McDonald's capitalized on this. Their ad a few years ago was have it your way. Sprite said, uh, obey your thirst. What the advertisers are trying to do is take your wants and turn them into needs to say, you need this. You need this. You first. Put yourself first. And this really has become popular with people born who, uh, between 1946 and 1964 who would be called the baby boomers. They called it the me generation. And what this refers to is, and I'll call it the worldview of individualism or narcissism, if you want to call it that. It's this metaphor that life is a race and I'm going to finish first. Me first. Me first. Characterized by statements like, I don't care what this does to the kids. I'm not happy in this marriage, and so I'm leaving because it's what makes me happy. Or maybe you've heard um, somebody say, you know, I don't care what other people tell me. I'm going to do what's best for me. I don't care if it's right. I don't care if it's wrong. It's what I want to do. You know what Jesus said about that? Matthew 16, 25. He said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, that's when he finds it. It's not about you. It's about living for Christ and for others. And yet we get wrapped up into this me-first kind of worldview of what we think life should be about us. Let me give you another one. Another worldview says, do whatever feels good. Do whatever feels good. If it feels good, do it. That would be called hedonism. Hedonism, the metaphor there, life is a party. And we live in a culture like that. I want to do what makes me feel good. Um, Now, let me talk about this for just a second. Because, to be fair, pleasure is good. I mean, God created pleasure and for us to enjoy it. But pleasure is not intended to be a life goal. And for some of you here... That's what you are seeking. You're seeking that pleasure. Pleasure, hear me on this please. Pleasure is a byproduct of living life the way that God intended for you to live life. That's what pleasure is. And that's how we should measure pleasure. God, how do you want me to live? When I fulfill that, then you bring pleasure to my life. In fact, look what it says in Proverbs 21, 17. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. We'll not go very far. We'll, we'll find ruins in their life. Last, uh, well, the fifth worldview that I put down there was this. God doesn't exist or he doesn't matter. He doesn't exist, he doesn't matter. Uh, and if there is a God, he's not very involved. He's kind of like the watchmaker who wound up the watch, set the world into motion, and the world winds down on its own. God's not really involved That would be the worldview of naturalism. Naturalism. That the universe happened by chance. There's no real plan to it. And the life motto for that becomes life is just rolling some dice. It's it's, it's kind of a crapshoot. We don't ever know what we're going to get. We're just going to kind of walk through it and, and, and live it out. And where that hits home is follow me on this line of thinking. If there is no design in nature then your life has no design or no purpose as well. This really has hit home here in California, um, where uh, we now have the what's called the doctor-assisted suicide law. 
I, I know you probably heard about this. Um, it, it was just ratified in the last number of months uh, for terminally ill patients that now you can take your own life. In fact, uh, there was an article written up in the Stockton Record last week, I think it was last Saturday, and it was in the headline, Terminally Ill Woman Hosts a Party Before Ending Her Life. And what it was, was this woman inviting her friends, and, and she stated right there on the invitation what she was going to do. She was inviting them to come, and they could bring some thoughts for her, and they could you know, share some time together. They're going to barbecue. They're going to enjoy a, a few hours together. And, um, and, and the, the article went on to describe this as, the idea is to go and spend a beautiful weekend that then culminates in your suicide says there was even a detailed schedule for the gathering, what they were going to do from hour to hour, including the precise hour that the woman uh, planned to slip into a coma and then to soon just pass away and die. You say, okay, well, what's wrong with that? Do do, do you understand that we, we live in this kind of society now? We live in that kind of a worldview, that that's how people now view life. That they can take their life when they're just not feeling good about life. When they feel like they don't have any purpose. That's playing God, is what that is doing. That's saying that God doesn't have a plan for my life, so I need to have the plan for my life. God doesn't have my days ordained till the very end, so I'm going to determine when I pass away and when I am done. That, that, that's playing God. And you might say, well, I understand they're terminally ill. What kind of life can they have when they're terminally ill? Oh, no. Oh, no, as long as you have breath, you have purpose in life. God has given that to you, and it's his right when he gives you life to also take it away. And you might say, you know what, I, yeah, wh- because the question is, where does it stop? Can I, can I have, you know, just go ahead and take my life when I don't feel good, when my feelings go away? Can I just take my life when maybe he's not noticing me as I wish he would notice me? Can I take my life here here? Where does that slippery slope stop if all of a sudden we say that we can take our own lives? No, that's set out for God. That's playing God. If we have that kind of a worldview, we're saying, God, you're not, you're not involved. You're just kind of set off and and I really play more God. I'm in tr- control of my life. In fact, look at the verse out of Romans 20, or Romans 1, chapter 20, verse 20. It says, God is involved. Even though his attributes might be invisible, they're seen. It's in nature. It's all around us. They've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And we who try and come up with our own solutions, says, claiming to be wise, they're really that's your worldview. Wake up to that and see how much more God has for you and how much more he loves you and gives you purpose in life. Now, these first five worldviews that I wrote down are all very mostly secular worldviews, but there are also a couple of religious worldviews that I wanted to go over because they really fall into just two categories. Whether you are Protestant or Catholic or Buddhist or Hindu or New Age, in our American culture, the most popular religious worldviews really boil down to this. Let me give you them. The first one is this. Keeping rules and rituals earns God's blessing, which would be called legalism. That's the worldview of legalism. You, you, you might call it karma. You might call it superstition. But the idea here is that you get from God 
only exactly what you have earned in life. And so you do certain rituals, or you do your charity, or you do your prayers, and then you get from God what you deserve. So the metaphor there is like a boomerang. What you throw out comes back to you. You say, well, you know, that's so popular. Why, why is it so popular? It's popular because it's really how the physical world works. What goes up must come down. You put in a hard day's work, you get a paycheck for your hard day's work. It comes back to you. But when that gets carried over into the spiritual realm, that worldview will affect your life in profound, profound ways. Why? Follow me on this. Because you'll always be looking for more ways to get God's blessing. You'll say, well, if I just do this ritual just right, and I say this so many times, or then I'll get my prayers answered. Or if I give more into the offering plate, then I'll get a bigger blessing from God. Or if I meditate just right, then, or, or say certain prayers, then they'll come true. And what God becomes in that way is he becomes a genie in a bottle. And if I rub that bottle just right and say those prayers just perfectly, then he appears before me and I get those prayers answered. Or it's like a, you know, the, the, the stingy boss that I have to go to and I have to kind of suck up to him to see if I can get my way or ask something about. And, and if I do that just right with God then God will grant me what I want as well. That's legalism. That's falling into rituals. In fact, the Israelites did that. Look at Isaiah chapter 28. This is a great verse. It says, So then the word of the Lord to them will become, do this, do that. A rule for this, a rule for that. A little here, a little there. That's all God's word becomes to people who fit into this legalism. Ah, do this, do that. A little here, a little there. A rule for this, a rule for that. Instead of understanding, this is, this is God's love letter to you. This is God's instruction manual for life. This is God saying, I love you so much, I sent my son to help you through life. That's what God's word is to us. It's not a legalistic document, rules and rituals that we follow. In fact, that's where the next worldview falls into. The second worldview um, that uh, I said all religions kind of fall into here in America, and that's this. God saved me by grace for his purposes, which historically is Christianity. That's where we fall in here. That there is nothing that I can do to earn God's love. I do not deserve his blessings on me. But God desired a relationship with me and provided Jesus' death for me on the cross that is given to me by his grace. And I accept it by grace. And when I do that, I am saved. Not just so that someday I will end up in heaven, but I am saved by grace so that I have a purpose here on earth. So that there's things for me to do. And God's life works in and through me through the power of his Holy Spirit. That's why we went through a whole series on gifted. That you have a greater purpose in life. God made you and created you, gifted with you some spiritual gifts for you. So that you can then serve and bless other people. And share that same message with others once you have gotten it in your own life. In fact, look what 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says. It says, It's God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose 
and his grace for us in our lives. Now, those are seven popular worldviews. And if you were to go through each of those, I'm sure you could probably find places in your life where you have kind of let some things slide into your makeup, where you have let things kind of slide into how you view the world. And you need to be aware of these because they will come in by way of your classrooms, and if not for you, for your kids, your grandkids, they will come by way of your workplaces and conversations that you have, um, by the songs that you listen to, by the talk shows, Oprah Winfrey and other things like that that she shares. Um, So let me ask you this, now that you kind of know that, What's your grid? What, what, what's the view you have? What, how do you self-critique your own behavior? What's the filter for judging what is wrong and what is right in your life? What is your worldview? And why does it even matter what I believe? Well, let me tell you what God's Word says about that. It's out of Proverbs chapter 4. It's just a simple little verse, but it lends us to, to understanding this in a greater way. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your, what's the word there? By your what? By your thoughts. Those thoughts become beliefs. They become convictions. And they become actions in your life. That's why the, the young man who was sharing with me a little bit about how he went from just kind of knowing something about God, knowing something about church, to now being fully committed He said, if I jump in with this, it's going to change everything about my life. And First Baptist, that's what I want for us. I want us to be a church that takes this seriously. I want us to be a church that lives this out. And it's not just something we do for one hour on a Sunday morning, but it's something that we are so involved in, we are so in love with Jesus, and understand what He has done for us, that it changes everything we do. Because here's the problem. Follow me on this. This is where we get to the crux of this message. There's a huge problem in the American church today. That is that most Christians do not have a consistent worldview. They jump around, they bounce around from different ones to different places and different areas, and they put different worldviews in in different times of their lives and in different parts of their days. In fact, Barnard did some research on this. Here's what he said. He found out that 4% of American adults use a biblical worldview in their decision-making. Only 4%. 96% float by what the world says. Only 4% will say, let me see what the Bible says about this, of how perhaps I should make a decision or live. In fact, this is even more sobering. Only 9% of born-again Christians, I would say those are people who have given their life to Christ, probably a part of a church, only 1 in 10, 9% of Christians consistently use a biblical worldview to walk through life with. 90%, what that would be saying is 90% of us here would just kind of float. Oh, what does Cosmo say today? What does my horoscope say over here? What does the talk show say? What is a friend sharing with me? What should I do? Instead of picking this up and saying, what should I do? Why? Why is it like that? Let me give you a couple reasons. that I think, and, and I'll call them two myths. They're not in your outline, but let me just throw them to you. You can write them in the margin if you like. Here's myth number one, the sincerity myth, the sincerity myth. That is 
It doesn't matter what you believe, just as long as you are sincere. You just be sincere about it, and it will be okay. The problem with that is that you can be sincerely wrong, right? Because we know it's not whatever goes. We know there is a basis for truth. And so there has to be a right, there has to be a wrong. The world operates differently. They say there is no right and wrong. You get to choose which one it is. Let me illustrate that in this way. Let's say that I have two glasses right up here on my podium. One is filled with Gatorade, and one is filled with car antifreeze. They look a lot alike. If I pick up the antifreeze and drink it, and if I drink it sincerely, is that going to matter? No, I'm going to still be sincerely dead, aren't I? Sincerity doesn't matter. Oh, just do it with the right heart, and what you believe will be okay. Uh-uh. No, do not buy into that. And then let me give you the second myth. That's the situational myth. The situational myth says it doesn't matter what you believe. It all depends on what situation you are in. So when you're on a date, you operate with this worldview. Maybe that's hedonism. When you are uh, at church, you operate with this worldview. Maybe that's Christianity and grace. Oh, so good, so good. When you're at work, then you operate with this worldview. Uh, let's call it materialism. You just work, 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 work. The problem is they don't go together. That, there's a cognitive dissonance in there that doesn't, and hypocrisy that just doesn't work. Let me just talk about that last one at work. Uh, Ray Kroc was the founder of McDonald's number a number of years ago. I'd heard that he was a Christian. I, 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 I'll follow that. I, I'll, I'll agree with that. But I came across a disturbing statement of his. I read a quote a couple weeks ago on the internet that said this. Ray Kroc, Ray Kroc said this. He says, I believe in God, family, and McDonald's. And he said, and in the office, that order is reversed. What's he saying? saying it situationally, I'll put McDonald's first. I'll put my family second. I'll put God third. Now, I don't know if he was doing that in humor. I don't know if he's doing that fun. I, I really don't know much about him. But that strikes a chord with the situational myth that it's okay. Just, just go with whatever comes up. And, and folks, let me just hit this hard for just a moment here. What Stockton needs are true Christians who live out their faith in an uncompromising way who are uncompromising with their worldview and with their beliefs and are able to step up and explain why they believe and what they believe after they have shown that the way they live just resonates what God's word says. This city needs more of us to step up and be that in our neighborhood step up and be that in our workplaces. Be a business owner who does things above board and does it right. To be a mom or dad who disciplines their child and according to God's word and doesn't just let them go, well, kids will be kids, whatever, it doesn't really matter. To be friends and relatives who step in and say, hey, you know what? There is truth, right and wrong. We model that, we live it, we show it, we speak it. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 3 resonates really well with this where it says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord. And then it goes on to say, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense for whoever asks the reason, 
for the hope that is in you. Do it with gentleness and respect. All right, so that next part is what we're kind of talking about here, that we want to be those kind of people who can give a reason for our defense. But if we have not done the first, if we have not honored Christ in our hearts first and set him apart as holy first, then we're just acting out the next part. And it's not going to go very far. And maybe that's where, maybe that's where the 90% comes from who don't live according to a biblical worldview because we don't care what the Bible says and we don't care about putting God first and Christ first in our lives. So what do we do? How do we strengthen our worldview? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. But let me give you some quick thoughts. It's on the back of your outline. Let me go through these very quickly, and then I'll kind of flesh them out more as we go along in this series. How do I strengthen my worldview first? Learn what is true. Learn what is true. Matthew 7.25 talks about the rock and the foundation that we need to have our lives built upon. Learn what is true. Secondly, discern what is false. Discern what is false. First John identifies this. He says, test the spirits to see if they are from God, not a false prophet. Test to see what is true and what is not. Third, turn from the world to the word. Turn from the world, from the cosmo, to the word, what God has for us and the foundations of that. And fourth, concern myself with God's agenda. Concern myself with God's agenda. Matthew 6 talks about seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Then behind that, everything will be given unto you. Now, don't put those notes away. Put them right in front of you. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to look over those four things that I just told you. And I'm going to ask you a question. Here's the question. In which of those areas do you need to take action steps today? Maybe it's, to, maybe it's to learn more about what the Bible says, to learn a more biblical worldview. It's exactly what Pastor Mark and Pastor Derek were talking about up here. That's why we're doing the walk through the Old Testament. So as a church family, we can understand what's going on in this scripture. That's why you need to be here on September 17th. That's why we hope you will jump in and join one of those community groups then for the God's grand story, just that continuation. Go deeper into understanding what God's word says. It's why we offer Sunday school classes. It's why we offer electives. In fact, if you, if marriage, that's why Pastor Derek and I are teaching a marriage class right now because we're basing the whole class on Rome, uh, excuse me, on Ephesians 5.33, which is God's last word on marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. What does that mean? That's God's teaching on marriage. And if you're not part of that class and you're not going anywhere else, come on Wednesday night. Get in. Learn. 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 Learn what God's word says. Make a commitment to doing that. Perhaps it's, uh, perhaps it's getting more godly friends or counsel around you so that you can discern and you can turn from some of the worldly ways that you've been involved with. You're the only one who knows that. You, you know what you've been involved in. Maybe It's why we have community groups here. And people come together and they form these friendships that are so, so valuable. Maybe, maybe you need to look and see what kind of music you listen to. Maybe you need to look at and see what kind of TV or movies you're watching, your viewing habits, and what that has done to you. Maybe, like the, like the uh, drama said, less Cosmo, more God's Word in your life. Maybe less talk radio, maybe less Oprah, and more God. 
Maybe it's the last thing I wrote down, a concern. Concerning yourself with God's agenda. That's why we hope that you'll, you'll begin to see people as people that God loves and you love too. It's why we serve around here. It's why we have mission trips that we go on there. There's a whole group going off to Kodiak, Alaska next week or the week after. There's a whole group, the largest group we've had of adults going down to Sultana uh, at the end of September. I mean, that, that, that's a church that's saying, yeah, we're concerned for people. We want to have what breaks God's heart break ours as well. In fact, let me just kind of say this. Last week, if you were here, many of you came up and bought a $20 Twix bar, didn't you? If we were a materialistic church, that was a pretty poor investment. Let me just say it that way. $20 for a Twix bar. But you're not. Your church that says, no, we have God's worldview. And the reason you came up and bought a Twix bar is because you wanted to help children living in poverty. We were able to raise over $4,500 just by you coming and saying, we value God and what breaks the heart of God breaks our heart as well. That's a church stepping up and making a difference. That, that, that's why so many of you sacrificially give when that offering plate gets passed and you place money in there that maybe it was even money that you could have used someplace else, but you're saying, no, God, this is for you because I have a greater worldview. I want to help with the world around right here in the city of Stockton. I want to see that God's word gets preached and taught and shared. I want to see that we make a difference in the gospel rescue mission and other missions around here. I want to see that around the world missionaries are supported. That's why we're a church who gives. That's why you give sacrificially. That's why even on the back of your outline today, it says over $48,000 came in in the month of July to erase the debt that we have over here, already purchasing the ministry center, because you're saying we want to start taking that money and using it in other places around the world, using it in other things that will impact the world for Jesus. All the while supporting what we've done in that building and all that it houses with kids and Sunday school classes in our school. That's why so many of you have stepped up and said, okay, I'm gifted, yep, I'll serve, I'll make a difference. That's why so many of you have gone on mission trips. That's why so many of you have told your story. Jesus, yeah, Jesus makes a difference in my life. Continue to do that. Continue to see, God, what steps do you want me to take this week? Because you have to know this. You don't do this for ritual. You don't do this for rules. You don't do this for regulations. You do this because God loves you. No other reason, no other purpose. God has loved you, and this is your love of him back. My prayer is that that is the worldview we operate in. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word that instructs us. Forgive us if we have not placed high enough value on that. Forgive us if we've been more caught in the ways of the world. And Lord, even forgive us if we haven't recognized it. If we haven't seen it. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker, Maybe it's a television show I watch or a movie. Maybe it's a talk show that I listen to. God, if it is not teaching your truths, then it's going to be teaching the ways of the world. And Lord, I pray that you would allow our ears to be tuned into that. And hear your still small voice saying, no, listen to my word. 
Listen to my spirit as it's alive in your life. Folks, today, if you are a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, my prayer is that your faith would be real. That you would be a Christian, living as a Christian, making a difference in this world. That's what we believe here at First Baptist. As Christians, we can live as Christians, making a difference in this world. Maybe today you've come here and you're not exactly sure why you're here. Maybe you're just exploring this. Someone invited you to come. You wanted to see what this worldview was about. you got to know, God, God is not a distant God up in heaven just letting the world go as it may. God is so active. God is so involved. But he only comes in the level that you let him. He only goes as far that you'll allow him into your life. He's too much of a gentleman to pour himself on you until you say yes. Until you say yes. And so today's your opportunity to do just that. If perhaps today you have not received Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life, then today would be the first step to say, Jesus, I've been operating in a whole different set of standards. Today I see enough that I want to operate my life around following you. To follow you in my decision making. To follow you in my relationship. To follow you in everything that I do and everything that I say. And if today, if that's your desire, then simply in your heart, just pray the words, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord Jesus, I ask for forgiveness. I ask today prayed a prayer like that, you have a totally different worldview now. You have a different way of looking at the world around you. And my prayer is that you will join the rest of us as we live out that faith. First Baptist, I know most of you who are hearing these words, you're Christians, you, you, you've given your life to Christ, you're a Christ follower, you're following him. Let's also show that in our lives, in our actions, in what we do. Let's live by that. Let's live by that, and the world will see how in love we are with Jesus. God, thank you for what it means to be in a relationship with you. May we all, all take steps in doing that this week. Even now, the words that we sing to the song, may they not just be words on a screen, a do this and a do that, a little here, a little there, but Lord, may they be truly from our heart as we worship you now. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.